Without further ado, um, Apostle Tetzola, we welcome you here with the full love of Living Stones. So come on up. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! You, 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 know, you know something? I genuinely always feel at home when I come here. I mean, really, not, um, not the ministerial statements. You know, minister makes statements just for the purpose of cordiality and all of that. But just really genuinely... Just feel the family atmosphere, feel love, you know, from your senior leader to every one of you. You know, I grab, I just grab hold of you guys. You don't understand when you are on the road like I am every week. I just flew in from overseas um, and I think uh, I got to New York. And then uh, did some few things. Then I had to come here. And I had the opportunity to meet uh, uh, Pastor Ron uh, right also flying in. And if you really know what it takes to, um, to minister when you, when you come from far distance, you, you, you may not really understand what jet lag is. Um, it's really lag. You really... You know, you really feel it, and uh, everything has to do with really mentally. You know, I remember I, um, the, the trip we were to go, and normally when the year begins to come to an end, I've, uh, I've explained it to you. From the month of October, I go on a fast all the way to January to complete it, because I have nations, I have churches, I have leaders, I have networks that depend on hearing the word of the Lord. So I want to say to you, tomorrow in the morning, in the next session tomorrow, please don't miss it. If you know of anyone, just tell them to come because I am going to be releasing a portion of the word of the Lord. It's not just for local church. It's for nations too. It's for government. I am privileged, and I say that with really a sense of humility, uh, to not just minister to local churches. I minister to governments. Uh, to, In fact, um, I was telling someone I've never seen as many CEOs in one church like I saw 150 CEOs in one church that I had to minister to these CEOs. And these are born again, Holy Ghost filled, not just church attending folks. I mean people with a sense of humility that are in love with God. Now understand when God speaks to us, it is not just to excite us. It is to address something in you, to promote something out of you in the future. That is why every time God is about to do something in your life, he releases a word. And that word is either a directive or an instruction. God never does anything, will never do anything for you without force and instruction given to you. And I often say this, that the instructions that you're willing 
to obey will determine the destiny that God can bring into your life. It's, it's real simple. You could be a Christian and never, 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 never advance in your life. And never, never have a degree of impartation. It is not because God doesn't love you. The way he operates is God will never do anything for you without you playing a role in it. That's why he's a good God. He's the God of choice. If you decide not to give your life or to walk away, he won't force you. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 1 says, and it shall come to pass. That's exciting. But then he went on to say, if thou shalt hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord, to observe and to do all that is written therein, then your God and my God will lift us up above the nations of the earth. Just real practical. You just do your part and I do my part and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to cause that which I promise you to become a reality. So promises really that are given to you is not an indicator that it will become a reality if you don't play a role in it. By definition, a promise is simply the declaration of God's intention towards you. You make a promise to someone. You declare your intention. They have a role to play. And if they're not willing to play a role, then the promise doesn't become a reality. And I had to teach and really impart this in your heart because at some point the enemy will get you to disbelieve God, that God doesn't keep his word and that God isn't faithful. Gangs, God is always faithful. He's always faithful. If you will understand his strategy of operation, you will understand how God works on our behalf. And, uh, you know, we always believe that prayer changes everything. And, and, and it's just really amazing. You know, I love to pray, and prayer does a great work, you know, but prayer doesn't really change everything. Part of what prayer does is to affect and to change your perception. See, there are some situations in your life that lingers for a while, and you pray and you pray and you wonder why God isn't doing anything. Isn't, it's not that God isn't working on your behalf. It's changing your perception concerning that situation, that thing. And all of a sudden, you realize that there is enough grace to be able to handle it. And the very thing that used to bother you doesn't bother you anymore. The fear, the worriness, the anxieties, the nervousness, the panicking doesn't bother you, even though the problem still exists. That's because the strength of God have brought you to the place of the revelation of how awesome God's grace is on your behalf. And just like Paul says, he prayed for the tongue to be removed, and he prayed, and the tongue was never removed. And what was God's reaction or statement towards him? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul's perceptive was changed, and the moment his perceptive was changed, he never saw the problem as a problem. He saw it as a springboard into the fullness of God. I pray tonight and tomorrow that as I teach you and plug this in your spirit, that you will understand this season is different from every season you've been. The most painful thing to me is to hear people address it as 2020. It is bigger than that. You've stepped into a new decade, a new decade, a new decade, a new decade, which implies you are beginning from the beginning. You're not beginning from the entire beginning, Dan, 
but you're beginning from the beginning of something. And you have the right to rewrite the script. You can rewrite the script again. So it doesn't matter the problem and the situation and the circumstances that have happened in the past. The failures, the defeat, the sickness, the depression, whatever the enemy have done in the past. You can rewrite the script again. There is a tangible anointing. Are you breathing tonight? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, there is a tangible anointing. I'm not encouraging you. I'm declaring the mind of God to you. There is a tangible anointing that resides on this season that you can become anything that God wants you to be. You really can. You really can. And this is how significant that you've stepped into a new decade and things have shifted in the realm of the spirit. So now, what you do with the seasons that you are in will really define a lot of what will take place in your life. It is so exciting, brilliantly exciting. I have never been excited for life and for ministry like I've been excited. It is the greatest opportunity for the Holy Spirit to bring you into a new decade. And for him to be able to assure you, when you look at your back and you see all the defeat and all of the mistakes and all of that, they are all cleared. You can start afresh again and you can rewrite the script. So turn with me to two scriptures tonight as we navigate. One of the scriptures from the Old Testament is Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. I want to focus on verse 1 to verse 8. And then the second scripture that I want to deal with is John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Now, I've taught you, if you still remember, because pretty much everywhere I go, I tend to believe that I've said it. It is not what you hear that changes you. I wish you can really grind that into the hearts of people. What you hear tonight may never change you. It is not what you hear that changes you. It is what you do with what you hear. It is that deliberate commitment that you make to everything that you hear that begins the process of transformation. So if what you hear changes you, everyone will have been changed. Because really not everyone makes the commitment to transformation. And so I try to explain the five process of how truth becomes a manifestation, how a truth becomes a manifestation, how that which you hear eventually becomes a reality. Number one, you hear the word, just like tonight, just like every Sunday, every service time. Number two, that word gets translated into you meditating on it. You have to meditate on the truth that you have heard. You have to meditate on the truth that you have heard. Number three, that truth that you have meditated on becomes a revelation. You will never, never function in the things of God without a revelation. Revelation is simply defined as light that comes on darkness. And the scripture says in the book of Ephesians that uh, Satan is the ruler of darkness. He governs the arena of ignorance. So every single areas of your life that you are presently defeated in, 
if you take the pain to consider it, you will find it's often the areas that you don't have a lot of light in. Because when light comes, when there is revelation, that does not mean the problem gets resolved overnight. But the fear goes away. The worriness goes away. That anxiety, that thing that makes you freak out and panic and believe God wouldn't do a thing, just leaves. A reality of the faithfulness of God comes in you because you have a revelation of it. And then from revelation, you go to practice. You can never practice a truth that you don't have a revelation in. And when you have a revelation of healing, deliverance, of giving, or whatever areas you have revelation, nobody thumps you because you just know that is true, and it is true, and it doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. You just operate in it. And then the final five, the fifth one, is manifestation. So it goes from you hearing the word, and you meditate on the word. The word that you meditate on becomes translated into revelation to you. Revelation becomes now what you practice. You practice it daily. It doesn't matter if it's happening or not. And eventually, what you practice becomes a manifestation. Now, I'm going to track with you tonight. Uh, I want to try to stay with you for just not long. If I go a little further, please pardon me. Because I said I wasn't going to preach. I want to just plug some things in your spirit. Prophetically, I'm going to speak to you tonight. God's ultimate desire... For you, when I say for you, I'm not just talking about this building. I'm talking about this church, the vision of this house, where you are, where you're going. God's ultimate desire is to bring you into three things. It is to bring a level of advancement. It is to bring a level of success. And it is to bring a level of victory. Very key. God's ultimate desire for you is ultimate desire for you. You cannot believe anything else. It doesn't matter the battles and the struggles that you're going through. You can't believe anything else. Your, uh, God's ultimate desire is to bring three things in this season to you. Advancement, victory, and then success. It is to eventually bring you to where or what we know as the high life of God. There is an high life of God. The high life of God is a place that you walk in individually or corporately where the serpent cannot easily defeat you. The serpent is the enemy. Where you are not easily defeated by the enemy because you function in the high life of God. You function in a dimension where it is not easy for the enemy to deal with you or the enemy to be able to steal the things that the Spirit of God has called you to. That's God's ultimate. But in order for this to become a reality, please listen to me, people of God. In order for this to become a reality, you have to be willing to discern and recognize the cycles of failures. The cycles of failures that have been created in your life 
as a result of the circumstances that you have experienced in the past. Or as a result of the circumstances that the enemy brought into your life. Or as a result of generational circumstances. I'm going to repeat it. Very key. God's ultimate desire. God's ultimate desire for you, for this house, for this vision, is to bring you into three things. Advancement, victory, and success. It is to eventually lead you to the place where you experience the high life of God. You know, most people really don't have a revelation about the high life of God. You come into the kingdom, you are excited about the kingdom, and that's just enough. But that's not really the high life of God. There is a place in God that the Spirit of God wants, to, wants you to walk in where the serpent cannot touch you. Where the serpent cannot defeat you. Where the serpent cannot bite you. The enemy cannot be able to easily overcome you and easily defeat you. That is the dimension that the Spirit of God has called you to function in, in this season. But in order for it to become a reality, you can be excited about it, but in order for it to become a reality, you have to discern and you have to be able to recognize those cycles of failures and defeat that have been created as a result of circumstances in our lives. You will understand as I progress. As a result of generational lineage, there are emotional cycles, financial cycles, cycles of sicknesses, cycles of diseases. There are cycles of poverty. It's almost like your life or the ministries just go in cycle. Cycle of failures. It's a cycle of defeat. It's a cycle of sickness. You know, you find one day and the next day you get sick. And then the next day you find. And then the next day you sick. And then the next day, cycles. You will never be able to experience the I life unless you are willing to discern and recognize the cycles. And some of these cycles were created by circumstances in our lives. Some of them were created by just generational lineage. It is a cycle in your family. It is a cycle on your job. Just cycles. Just over and over and over and over. Just the same thing over and over. With your health, the same. With your finances, the same with the church. The church increases and all of a sudden a cycle breaks out. The finances comes into your hands and then all of a sudden the cycle breaks out. It is almost like the enemy teases you and dangles something in front of you and then gets you excited to disappoint you. Don't sleep on me. I want you to catch this. Because the moment you understand this, a revolution begins in your spirit. A revolution. See, 
the most horrible thing is for you to be excited about something and then taking it away from you. And when you, when you study your parents, maybe you study someone in your family, and you find the same cycles that they experience is the same cycles that you are experiencing. And it just goes in a cycle. And when you live that way, you are not experiencing the ultimate of God. You're not experiencing the ultimate of God. You are not functioning in that place where you can be touched by the serpent. The serpent touches you because it's a cycle. It's a cycle. You shout, 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 get excited in church, feel good, the worship is good, the music is great, and then you go back home, the cycles just continue. Year after year, but I came to declare to you tonight, tonight begins the end of the cycles. Listen to me. I am not encouraging you I am declaring to you the word of the Lord. But in order for you to be able to live this life that I explained, you have to be willing to discern and to recognize the cycles so that the Holy Spirit can be able to deal with it. So let's track. Can you put the first scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 1? And we want to read from verse 1 to verse 8. Can we put it on the screen? Because it will help me to keep time. Okay. Um, just go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel. And still on the east side of the Jordan River, in the wilderness, in the Arabah, the deep valley running north and south from the eastern hand of the Red Sea to beyond the Dead Sea, over near Sof, between Paran and Tophil, Leban, Ezeroth, and Dizahab. Verse 2, it is only 11 days' journey from Oreb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Bernal. On Canaan's brother, yet Israel took 40 years to get beyond it. Can you just imagine that uh, a promise that is to be manifested, let's just say in, 40, in, in four days or in 11 days, gets manifested in 40 years. That's really amazing. Just put yourself, a promise that is designed by the Spirit of God to show up in two days or in three days or in four days gets manifested in six months. Look at verse 3. And in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the Israelites according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. Verse 4. After he had defeated Sion, king of the Amorites, who lived in Eshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth and Idrim, beyond the east of the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us in Oreb, You have dwelt long enough on this mountain. 
You have been in this circumstance. You have struggled with this condition. You have accepted this cycle. You've been in this place too long. You know, when I read that verse of scripture, the first thing that comes to my heart is this. I don't know if the people will have recognized that they've been in that place too long if Moses have not spoken into them. Sometimes uh, you can actually live in cycles over a prolonged period of time until it becomes your new normal. It becomes your new normal and you accept it as the way of living. It is fine for you to go through the cycle of sicknesses. It is fine for you to go through the cycles of poverty. It is fine for you to go through the emotional cycles, the cycles of your job or or, or the cycles of, of relationship. You know, you have one relationship, it doesn't last, so you another relationship comes, that doesn't last, then another relationship comes, that doesn't last. And before you know, it is a cycle that is created. And if you are not careful, the enemy can get you to end up believing that that is the proper way. And God's ultimate desire is for advancement. It is for victory. And it is for success. Please hear me. It's not an indictment. I have an assignment. I need you to understand you don't have to be in this mountain for a prolonged period of time. You can break that cycle. It can be destroyed. And you can begin a new way of living, the high life of God, where you literally begin to see advancement and victory and success. Because that is God's desire. The reality is, I remember speaking to a pastor, and he said this to me, you know, a successful pastor. He said, I never have an opportunity to rejoice because I never knew if he's going to be taken away from me. So, so the reality is, it's almost like uh, there is a blessing that comes into your life. And if you have lived your life in cycle over a prolonged period of time, you tend to believe that whatever comes in your hands or in your life will not last because it has been in a cycle. So you say, well, well, that, 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 let's not rejoice. Let's not be glad because we were last week and this was what happened. Let's not get excited because we got excited two months ago and this is what happened because your life has been in cycles and it is not the will of God. Now let's look at John 10.10. I love John 10.10. When you understand it from the context of the scripture, John 10.10, John chapter 10 verse 10. Now, the Bible says the thief, when you read it in context there, the context, that word thief there, is the word religion. That's really what it means. But we can actually translate it to be the devil or Satan because the devil or Satan is the author of religion. 
He says, now, religion or the thief, it comes only, now, notice, only, only, that's the Amplified Translation. That's the Amplified Translation, right? That's good. The thief comes only, only. Now, the implication of that word only means the enemy only is one-track minded. If the enemy is going to defeat you, overcome you, destroy you, or create any cycle in your life, he's only going to do it through this pattern. He comes first to steal, and then eventually, when you don't discern him, when he's stealing from you, then he kills, and eventually his ultimate is to wipe you out, to destroy you. Now, growing up in Africa, I don't know if I've told you this story, growing up in Africa, I didn't have the privilege to, to sleep in, you know, in a normal house and lay on the bed. And so we would sleep out, outside, uh, under the hut. Or sometimes there is no, no covering, no hut. And we just put a mat on the floor. And we would sleep. It was cool. It was nice. There wasn't anything wrong. You know. I now know, you know, you, you, you can live a better life. But then there wasn't anything wrong. I was enjoying it. But this is the cog of the story. When we go to bed at night to sleep outside, there are these huge rats, rats, okay? Big ones, they look like cats. They are also in Indiana. They're in America. They're everywhere, okay? There are these huge rats. They come out at night, and they begin to eat the bottom of your feet. And they eat it. You know? Now, the interesting thing is, when they're eating it, they also begin to fan with their nose. So as they eat it, you don't feel like they're eating the bottom of your feet until you wake up. And then you realize, oh my God, you know, what just happened? That's exactly what the devil does. The enemy comes in, he begins to steal from you, but what he does is to, so that you don't feel a change. There, there is no problem. It doesn't seem like that the situation is horrible. You don't even know he's stealing from you. And most times, that's the stage that the enemy destroys people. He steals in your marriage. You don't even know. He steals in your health. You don't even know. He steals in your finance. You don't even know. Because while he's doing it, he just keeps blowing. You don't feel it. The only time you begin to feel it is when it moves from that theft stage into now. It kills you. Everything begins to be deadened. You don't feel that thing that you used to feel anymore. The strength is gone. The passion is gone. Your zeal is gone. Your enthusiasm is gone. But it began when the enemy was stealing from you. But because you weren't able to discern that the enemy is stealing, because everything still looks comfortable. It still just still looks all right. The marriage just looks like it's all right. But something bad is taking place. Then it goes from steal, then it gets to kill. And eventually, 
it wipes you out. You can know this truth tonight and tomorrow the enemy will still operate in this way. Because the enemy has only one track, mind of attack. It's not going to come with any new strategy. It's not going to come with any new plan. It is the same plan over and over and over. And the interesting thing is, he's often successful in it. He steals. And in order to be able to deal with the enemy, you have to have a level of discernment. You have to be able to discern in the spirit that there is something wrong. Even though you may not be able to put your physical hand on it, in your spirit you can tell there is something wrong. And then you got to know how to pray prophetically concerning the situation before it moves from the theft stage into the enemy killing. But then the scripture says, it says, I came. That they may have and enjoy life. Now that word life is so interesting. Even though it's the Zoe life, it is what is called the Perisus life. Perisus means the remarkable life. The striking life. Have you ever seen someone and he said you are striking? You are remarkable. The remarkable life. The, the striking life. The attention-getting life. Jesus says, I came that you may have it. And the reality is, if you ask yourself, do you operate in the remarkable life? A life that is remarkable is a life that doesn't function in cycles of failures and defeat. When you live in bondage, and I mean, it just goes all around, over and over, you know, cycles of, uh, 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 of disease, cycles of sicknesses, just cycles of, of poverty, cycles of this, cycles of broken marriage, cycles of broken relationship. That's not the remarkable life. That's not the perisous life. Tell someone. I'm going to be free tonight. Come on, tell them. I'm going to be free tonight. I'm going to be free tonight. What do we mean by cycles? What do we mean by cycles? You know, I, I made a commitment to myself. And I says, everything that God says... I will walk in it. Nations go through cycles. Churches go through cycles. Relationship goes through cycles. The success of an individual is based on the revelation of the strength of God working on their behalf. The success of a believer is based on the revelation of God working on their behalf. I was in the airport. I was flying overseas. And uh, they had a mechanical failure in the plane. The devil literally spoke into my ears and said, I'm going to defeat you now. You're not going to go to the meeting. And this is what is going to take place. Now, people in the airport thought I was crazy. Okay? 
I communicated back to the enemy. And this was what I said. I said, wash me now. I'm not afraid of you. But I said, wash me. I can guarantee you 110% that I'm going to where I'm going. And something is going to happen to this plane. Now, if you don't know I'm a preacher, except that I wear this hat, God is dope. Yeah. You will literally say, what's wrong with this guy? And I say, wash me. And so here go the lady session. I'm sorry, Dr. Tetzola. Uh, There is really uh, nothing we can do. Uh, uh, this is gone, that 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 is gone. And I mean just talking. I said, you don't understand. Keep searching. I mean, she just kept searching, kept searching. I kept addressing the enemy. I said, I'm not afraid of you. You know, sometimes you got to talk back to the voice that talks to you. And sometimes our weaknesses, we refuse to open our mouth to talk back to that voice. I said, and all of a sudden she screamed, oh, Dr. Tesla, I'm sorry, I don't know what happened, but we got an exact flight with two people at, I said, uh, is there a business class in there? He said, but but I don't know. Uh, Let me say, oh, we got one business class and one economy. It fits you. I said, that's it. I knew if I accepted what he said and I make it my own, then the enemy have control. I came that you may have life. It doesn't matter where you are right now. It doesn't matter what the situation is. I came that you may have life, that you may have it more abundantly. Isn't that what the Bible says? So what do we mean by cycles? Okay, Cycles are series of repeated negative events. And negative circumstances. Cycles are series of repeated negative events and negative circumstances that is orchestrated by the enemy. They are orchestrated by the enemy to establish a new, a new way of living. Cycles are simply repeated events and repeated circumstances, repeated negative events and circumstances that are orchestrated by the enemy to establish in you, in me, a new way of living. Remember, God's way of living is the I life, but the enemy wants to establish a new way of living. And in order to be able to establish that, guess what he does? He permits or allows cycles to take place in your life so that you can become used to that way of living to become your new way of living. 
And if you don't discern and deal with it, all of a sudden, it becomes the accepted way. And that is not the way that the Spirit of God originally designed for you to function in. You know, every year, my wife and I, the early part of January, we go for a medical checkup. You know, it's called a physical. You know, when you travel and work hard like I do, and you go into nations, you know, that's really part. And you want to make sure that you are, you know, I'm a young man. I'm getting younger every year, you know. Uh, uh, years old, you know. Uh, and uh, you want to make sure you have the stamina to be able to do what you do. So when we go to the doctor, and the doctor will go through, you know, takes the blood, go through all the tests, and said, so, so, okay, uh, uh, Dr. Tesola, we will get in touch with you in two weeks. And every time, this is what the doctor will say, every time when the report comes, he says, uh, a medical doctor, an unbeliever, he said, can you please introduce me to the water you drink? Because the water you drink, I need to drink that same water. Uh, uh, we can't find this. We can't find what well, well, this, what well, 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 that, what well, this. That is excellent. That is this. That is this. That is that. That is that. And, I, and my wife and I, we just lift up our hands. I said, uh, this water, you can only drink it if you come into the kingdom that we function in. Now, now hear me. There is, please, there is a way of living that the Spirit of God designed you to. And this new decade, you have come into a season that things will begin to come into alignment. The things that have not come into alignment before will begin to come into alignment. Tomorrow, as I begin to prophesy, the seven anointings that the Spirit of God revealed to me that is divinely being activated, you will understand how significant it is for you to take advantage of the season that you are in. It is a season of growth. It is a season of enlargement. It is not because you are going to work hard. The things that you have worked so hard for and tried to make happen, you are going to begin to see it, not because you are working hard for it, because the grace for it has happened. Because the grace for it is here. And all you do is to take advantage of it. When the Lord visited me, the Spirit of the Lord visited me, as we go on the fast, the Lord said this to me, kind of really exciting. He says, it's almost like a balloon filled with water. You know, a balloon just filled with water. So soft, but just hanging around. And all you got to do, you don't need to have the strongest punch. All you need to do is just a, a little pin. And it just gushes out. But the problem is, 
as much as it lingers and hangs, no one wants to punch it or poke it for that which is inside to be released. And all you have to do is to take advantage of it. You know, you know, when you have gone through pain and defeat and disappointment in the past, and all of a sudden God begins to speak a promise to be manifested in your presence, in your present, the tendency is your heart tends not to believe it. Every one of us go through that until you conquer it and say, shh, God, this time is going to work. But I've dipped six times. I've not yet been healed. Go again the seventh time. But I've looked four times and I didn't see anything. Keep going. Hope deferred makes the heart to become sick. And the enemy tells you, I've heard it before. I don't think anything is going to take place. You are in the season where you have to be willing to discern and recognize those cycles. Because those cycles are what is designed by the enemy to prevent you from embracing the fullness of the season. All you got to do is to ponder and you will realize that there are cycles. It's just a cycle. You get excited, you go through it, and boom. You enjoy for one month and the next month the cycle again. And your life just goes in cycle. And you are not permitted to enjoy the fullness that the Spirit of God ordained for you. But you have come into a season. Seasons are pockets of time. They are pockets of time that the Holy Spirit brings into our life. He brings it into your life to accomplish an agenda. He brings a pocket of time into your life, whether individually or corporately, because there is something he wants you to embrace or he wants you to enjoy. But you got to be able to discern when seasons come into your life and be able to recognize that the things are not the same anymore, that they are different. That a new day has arrived. It's not just a new year. What happens when you get to April? What happens when you get to June? It is not about the year. It is about the plan of God that is ordained for your destiny in the season that you are in. There are three things that you have to understand if you are going to break cycles of failure. If you could put Proverbs chapter 26, verse 2. Proverbs, Proverbs 26, verse 2. Three things you have to understand. And you have to have a revelation in, in order to begin the process. It's not just something that you accomplish overnight. In order to begin the process of being able to break those cycles 
so that you can be exposed to the fullness of God and then begin to experience the eye life of God. Just verse 1. Notice the word like a sparrow in our wandering. If you can only see in the spirit, causes, C-U-R-O-S, C-U-R-O-S-E-S, causes are like sparrow, the bird, that flies and it looks for the right place to land. It flies all around. He doesn't just land everywhere. It lands in places where there is an entry point. If there is an entry point in your lineage, entry point in your life as a result of circumstances or experiencing, then a cause like the sparrow can land. This is the cool thing that most preachers will tell you, which I partly believe. If he said this way, well, you are born again, and so because you are born again, you are not under any cause, and the cause cannot destroy you. That sounds sounds true. That sounds true. But that is partly truth. Isn't that amazing how much we are born again, and we know Christ, and yet we live a defeated life? Christ has redeemed us, the Bible says in Galatians, from the cause of the law. How did he do that? He became a cause for you and I. So that you and I can be be able to enjoy the Abrahamic covenant. But simply because he has done that doesn't mean people don't experience it. This is the way it works. Your legal right on the cross when Jesus died, he accomplished everything, including the destruction of every cycles of poverty, failure, sickness, diseases, including every cause. He accomplished it. But simply because he accomplished it on the cross does not mean that that which he accomplished is happening in your life. So our responsibility is to appropriate You appropriate the work of the cross in your life so that that which was done can become a reality in your life. If you read scripture, the Bible says, with his stripe, you are healed. You are not healed today. You were healed when he died on the cross. That is your legal right. But does that mean people don't get sick? Does that mean people don't get depressed? Until I learn how to turn the work of the cross into reality in my life, the same enemy that used to defeat me as an unbeliever can easily defeat me because I do not know how to appropriate, appropriate, appropriate the work of the cross in your life. I had a medical doctor, a famous medical doctor, was eaten by cancer. Eaten up by cancer, so came to the church looking for me and said, well, I heard, uh, you know, they directed me to come and uh, you pray for me and be healed. And I never forget he stood in front of me and the moment he stood in front of me, my friend, the Holy Spirit said, he will die. That's what he said, he will die. 
but now lead him to me. So I said, my brother, I said, the first thing I want to do, I want to lead you to Christ. He said, no. Now, he didn't want Christ, but he wants his power. He didn't want to know Christ, but I want his power. And people of God, I want you to understand. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Nothing will work for you unless you know how to translate the cross into your life. If you don't know how to appropriate the cross, because everything is already accomplished. He said, like the sparrow in a wandering, like the swallow in a flying, so the cause without a cause does not come. It cannot come if there is not a reason. Because the enemy can never steal from you without an entry point. The enemy will only steal when there is an entry point. He, he, he runs around you and he looks for an opportunity. And the moment there's an entry point, guess what? He comes in and then he begins to manifest himself. The greatest way to deal with the enemy is to close every door. You know, I told you the story once about... Um, in fact, just on, uh, on Wednesday, I celebrated 31 years, just Wednesday. Uh, I flew in, you know, from my trip, and uh, I have to celebrate my wedding anniversary for 31 years, 3-1, just on Wednesday, you know, um, with one woman, one woman, one woman for 31 years, and, uh, and, um, and I remember few uh, few years ago in in our relationship we never had a fight we never had a fight not one for 31 years but we've had intense conversation for 31 years <laughs> okay intense conversation and, and and i'm trying to relate this to you and uh, in one of those intense conversations and really, genuinely, I think only a couple of you here came to our church. You've met her. She's just the coolest woman you can meet. Just the coolest woman. You know, she, does, she doesn't like fight, doesn't like argument, doesn't like, you know, just. So when, whenever there is an intense conversation, you can tell I'm the cause of it. Okay, I mean, you can tell. So on this one day, there was an intense conversation. And, uh, and she went to bed. She lay down. And she was sleeping. And I had this terrible pain in my stomach. I mean, when I tell you the pain was increasing, and I was about to call 911. But as the preacher, the first thing you want to do is to, is to start rebuking devils, right? I start binding devils. I break your power, lose your hope from my stomach, all of those stuff. I was pacing the living room, praying in the spirit. And it looked like the more I prayed, the more things looked horrible. Until my friend, the Holy Spirit, said this to me. Real simple. If you would put one foot in front of the other and go to the bedroom and tell your wife that you are sorry, go report yourself, you will be healed. 
So obviously, a door was open. A door was open that permitted the sparrow to land. And as long as a door is open, the enemy is permitted. So I, I stopped my prayer, went straight to the ba- bedroom. She was sleeping. I said, honey, 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 wake up, wake up, wake up. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, now, I'm desperate. I, I, I'm sorry, honey. I, I did it. I, I, I break that and uh, I, I took the last days. I, I mean, I, I was reporting myself for everything I know to report. Now, I am desperate because I want to be here. And I remember she, she got to say, oh, baby, 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 don't, don't think about it. There's no problem. I said, no, honey, get up. <laughs> because I got to make sure that you know what you're saying. And so she sat up and she said, oh, no problem, okay? And went, <sighs> And the moment, just like that, the pain was gone. You close the door, you get rid of the enemy. As long as you keep the door open, the enemy is permitted to walk on your behalf. But when the door is closed, the enemy can walk. So three process. Number one, you have to first recognize, you have to first recognize how the cycles began. You have to first recognize how the cycle began. Number two, you have to recognize how the cycles are built and constructed. Number one, how did the cycle of failure and defeat, whatever cycle, how did it begin? Number two, how was it constructed? Cycles grow. That's why it's a cycle. It begins somewhere and it was fed. Because it was fed, it grew. And then it becomes something that affects you constantly. And then number three. You have to understand the purposes of every cycle. Every cycle is designed to defeat you. Every cycle is designed to prevent you from experiencing the high life of God. That's the purpose of a cycle. It is to make sure that you never have the experience of God in your life. The cycle of sicknesses is designed for you not to enjoy healing and enjoy your life. Can you imagine the cycle of poverty? Poverty is not the absence of finances. Most people believe that poverty is the absence of finance. You can have a lot of money in your pocket and yet you still experience poverty. Because poverty... Is a way of thinking that sabotages advancement. Poverty is a way of thinking. It is a mindset that sabotages your advancement. 
My dad studied in England. He had a law degree and he had an engineering degree. And this is what my dad will do. When he gets home, he looks at the refrigerator. Who drank the uh, milk? Who ate the bread? Turn the light off. We got to cut down on light. Turn, turn the water down. Turn this. I mean, that's all I heard. All I heard, turn the light off, turn it off, put this down, don't touch that. The milk, no, don't drink, no, pour more, pour more water in the milk to extend the milk. He had the money. So when I got married and we bought our property and the house, I got in, I stood there, I said, baby, keep all the light on. Keep all the light on. Well, when we're turning it off. No, we're not turning it off. Keep it on. Because I got to address that mindset that eventually will become my mindset that create a cycle of failure and defeat. And she looked at me. Till today. I said, baby, keep that light on. Keep that on. You're getting two milk, get three milks. How many bread? Well, we just need one. No, get an extra one. You are to drastically. People of God, hear me. You could sing kumbaya. You could come to church. You could shout and sing hallelujah. Once a cycle is established, if you don't revolt against it and break it, it will become your new normal. I mean, I will as well as leave that. So when she, when she goes to say, honey, uh, uh, I want to get a pair of sneakers. You like that? Get an additional one. Yeah, yeah. I said, just get one. See, what she didn't know or what she doesn't know is every act was a form of deliverance to my mindset. Every act was a form of deliverance to my mindset because poverty it's a way of thinking that sabotages advancement and increase. You could have money in your pocket, but you're still poor. I mean, you could, you could be a multimillionaire, but you have a poverty mindset. Because everything begins with the way you think. The same with success. The same with prosperity. You don't have to have money in your pocket to prosper. It is a way of thinking. It is that way of thinking that advances you. And when your thinking is right, it eventually gets translated into the way you live your life. That's why the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you don't think right, nothing works. So you have to know how it began. How did the cycle begin? How did it begin? Every cycle that is built in your life begins somewhere. Okay? So let's look at the first one. How did it begin? It's really interesting Every cycle of defeat and failure are built three 
ways. There are three things that begins the cycle. Number one, deception. Number two, lies. Number three, errors. Number one is deception. Number two is lies. And number three is errors. Everything that you experience begins with a thought. Think about it for just a moment. Every victories and every defeat, it begins with a thought. The enemy cannot work on your behalf if there is no thought. God cannot work on your behalf if there is no thought. Everything begins with a thought. The manufacturing of this chair, the building of this building, the water, everything. Somebody thought about it. Someone placed the thought there. Either God or the enemy puts the thought. Everything begins with a thought. Everything. If you want to defeat anything in your life, you overcome the thought. If you will examine the thoughts that comes into your life, you can be able to deal with every problem that comes into your life. There is never one situation, an act of love, you know, an act of defeat that comes in your life that did not begin with a thought. You call it just a thought. A thought is the formation. It is the formation of the ideas. It is the formation of the ideas that transforms our lives. A thought is the formation of the ideas that transforms our life. It either transforms your life in a positive way or it transforms your life in a negative way. Deception, lies, and error. Every cycle begins. If you don't know how to discern what is a lie, what is a deception, the errors that comes in, it begins with a process. It just shows up. And before you know, the cycle begins. And when the cycle moves from the stage where the enemy is not stealing from you, and now the enemy is beginning to kill, it becomes an addictive cycle. It becomes something that the enemy controls. And at those points, you need some form of deliverance. Everybody needs deliverance. Even the preacher man needs deliverance. And when you hear the word deliverance, you're not saying because, that you are possessed. If you're born again and know Christ, you can never be possessed. Because possession has to do with the ownership of something. If you're born again, Christ owns you. And so you're not possessed. But you can be oppressed. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be the greatest preacher. If you don't know how to deal with situation, you can become oppressed. And at those moments, you got to know how to handle deliverance and pray for yourself and be able to break some of the powers that the enemy is trying to use to control your mind. Everything that begins, begins with our mind. I remember one morning I woke up. I mean, woke up, I had a great sleep. But when I woke up, I could feel a wave of discouragement that was coming on me. And the first thing I did was to examine aspect. This is all right. That is all right. This is all right. That is all right. Why do I feel this? And your responsibility, if you are like me, I grab hold of my little oil. 
I, lay, I put it on my and I lay my hands on myself. I rebuke that spirit and I break its power and I lose my mind. Sometimes you don't need a preacher to do that for you. You lay your hands on yourself, rebuke that spirit, and lose your mind from the influence of the spirit that is trying to attach itself to you. The second is how it is constructed. How it is constructed. Every cycle of failure gets constructed with a wound. You get wounded. You are hurt. A wrong desire. Now notice the next word that I will say because it is critical. Once these are established, once you are wounded, once you feel hurt, and you have a wrong desire, it then creates or make your soul, your soul becomes a fertile ground. It becomes a good fertile ground for everything that the enemy wants to do. When I'm wounded, when I'm out, whether in a relationship, in fact, I was ministering to a lady and uh, ministering to her, she eventually got delivered. And she said this to me in the process of ministering. She said, do you know why I became who I am? She, she, she was married, and so she became uh, a, a lesbian and started uh, sleeping with a woman. And she said this to me. The reason I began this life was because my husband hurt me by going to sleep with another woman. A wound came in. A wound. You may just see it lightly. A wound. That wound was taken advantage of by the enemy and all of a sudden it became what now orchestrated a way of living and she began to live that way for years she said to me apostle john she said when i'm sleeping in the night i couldn't even sleep i will keep jumping up. I will jump up every night and I will be saying things while I'm sleeping and the partner sleeping with her will say, I keep hearing you say this, God I'm coming back. God I'm coming back. And yet she did not know what she was saying. A wound. A hurt. A pain. It just comes in. A disappointment somewhere. And then when it happens, the enemy creates an alternative choice for you. And that alternative choice may look lucrative for that very particular moment. But the moment you advance in it, it is the beginning process of a cycle. Hear me tonight. The high life of God corporately and individually for your life can only become a reality when you recognize and break this cycle. If you don't recognize it and begin the process of breaking it, you will go like this. That's all. 
You come to church, you get excited, everything looks good, you're happy, and then the cycle just continues. And eventually you get frustrated and believe it doesn't work. This stuff doesn't work. I don't think God can do anything. When in reality, God can never do a thing for you if you are not willing to cooperate with him. If you are not willing to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can't do anything for you. Put John chapter 5. John chapter 5. I'm preparing to close. Put John chapter 5. I want to show you something. One of the most powerful things that the Spirit of God made available to you and I is the power of choice. Is the power of choice. God cannot do a thing for you if you are not willing to embrace him. John chapter 5, the book of John chapter 5. Now, look, later on, there was a Jewish feast festival and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, go to the nearest. Uh, now in Jerusalem, near the ship gate, there is a pool which is called in Hebrew, Jewish Aramaic, Bethesda, having five porches are closed and go on, go on. Verse 3, in this lay a great number of people. They weren't cute people. They weren't healed people. They weren't hallelujah people. He didn't say these people were just singing and getting excited. What did he say? They were sick, blind. They were lame, widow. And what were they doing? They were waiting for the stirring of the water. They were waiting. Okay, go to the next verse. For an angel of the Lord went down into the pool at what? Come on, at what? At what? That's very key. At appointed seasons. Not every moment. Not every day. Appointed seasons and stirred up the water. Now, this is the key. The water is stirred. The angel doesn't push you into the water. He doesn't force you into the water. As sick as you are and paralyzed as you are and lame as you are, you have to go. You have to roll yourself. The first one to go in after the water was stirred. Get healed. All God does is, I made the power available. I made the water available. Now, your responsibility is, I'm going to take a step towards it and then allow the power of God to work on my behalf so that I can be healed. If you don't recognize these wounds and this art and this pain, eventually it becomes a stronghold. It becomes a strong hold. And when it becomes a strong hold, that is when it becomes the cycles that controls your life. As much as you may hear this tonight, and there is a desire in you to see cycles of failures and defeat broken and destroyed, the enemy enforces it that when you even live here tonight, the enemy will make sure that the cycle just continues because that's the only way he can keep you in bondage. Because that's the only way he can keep you from enjoying the high life. 
because that is the only way he can prevent you from ascending and enjoying the benefit of the season. You have come into a new season. Don't be deceived otherwise. Things are changing. They are changing in the spirit realm before they become obvious in the physical realm. But you got to believe it in spite of the circumstances that you have experienced. You got to believe it. You got to, you got to believe that God has done something different. You know, there was this, this song I've been singing. You know, I'm not a singer. Not a great singer. I sing in the bathroom. But in the bathroom, I'm the great. This was the song God placed in my heart all through the beginning of this year. And, uh, and just kept singing it until my church grabbed it. Do something new in my heart. Something new in my heart. Something new in my heart. Oh, Lord, do something new in my life. Something new in my life. Something new in my life. Oh, Lord, I cannot live without you. Cannot live Without you, I cannot live without you. Oh, Lord, I cannot live without you. Cannot live without you. I cannot live without you. Oh, Lord. So do something new in my heart. Something new in my life. Something new in my heart. Oh, Lord, do something new in my heart. Something new in my heart. Do something new in my heart. Oh, Lord, that should be your cry. That should be your heart passion. When you come into a new season, there has to be a demarcation between the old and the new. You have to stretch forth your hands and expect that there is something new, something fresh, something different that the Holy Spirit intends to do that is totally different from all of the decade that you've ever experienced God. That's something new. Is going to happen to you. And as the Holy Spirit put the song in my spirit, and I woke up and I began to sing it, and I began to sing it in my church. It's a song of prayer. It's a song that energizes your heart. It's a song that causes the soil of your soul to become fertile. It is a song of hunger. I cannot live without you. Cannot live without you. I cannot live without you. Oh, Lord, 
I cannot live without you. Cannot live without you. Cannot live without you. Oh, Lord. That's my heart. That's my dream in this season. That is the cry. That's why the decade is different. How much you want of God will only be determined by you. It will not be determined by the church, by the pastor, by anyone. It will be determined by you. Progression doesn't take place unless the cycles that have defeated me in the past are broken and destroyed. And they cannot be broken and destroyed if I don't recognize these cycles in my life. Now, I'm going to give you three things and then we close. How do we begin the process? Remember I said the process of breaking this cycle. It's a process. It's not something that happens overnight. Number one, you have to aggressively address the initiators. Initiators. You have to aggressively address the initiators. Everything that begins in your life as a beginning. What is it that initiated it? What is it that caused it? Remember the story I just told you of the lady? You know, in her life, somebody disappointed her. That was the initiator. That is how the cycle began. And then it goes into other aspects. Maybe it's a cycle of failure in finances. Cycles of it with your health or cycles in relationship, whatever areas that you struggle in with cycles, you have to first recognize the initiators. Look at how the Bible puts it in the book of Second Kings, chapter six. Second Kings chapter six. You guys are doing good back there. Second Kings chapter six, verse two, from verse two. Second Kings chapter six. From verse 2. He says now, this is the young prophet. Please let us go to the Jordan River and let Ishmael take from there a beam for the building. And let us make a place there for ourselves where we may live. And he answered, go. Now this is the young prophet speaking to the senior prophet. And the senior prophet says, okay, you guys go, Elisha. Go to the next verse 3. Then one said, please be willing to go with your servant. So he answered, I shall go. Verse 4. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down some of the trees. Verse 5. But it happened that as one was cutting down a beam, the axe head, axe head, fell into the water. Remember, the axe head is the most significant part of an axe. Without the axe head, it doesn't matter. You could sing and dance in church if you can cut. If you are not on the edge, nothing happens. It is that axe head that is sharp, that is alive, that is functional, that gets you and I in the places we ought to be. And periodically in our relationship with God, if you're not careful, you can lose your axe head. And yet, because you understand all the methodology of church, 
and you are used to all of the theatrics in church, you can actually believe everything is going well with you, not realizing that you've lost your axe head. It fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Oh no, my master, it was borrowed. Now look at the next verse. Look at what the man of God said. If you want to recover your axe head, if you want to begin the process of breaking that cycle, this is what you got to do. Where did it fall? What is the initiator? How did it begin? Where did you drop the axe head? You see, it is only when you show him where you drop it, only then he can do something for you. Where did, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the what? The iron float. Have you ever seen an iron that float? No. It is a spectacular miracle. Everywhere you drop the axe head, the question by the Spirit of God is, where did it begin? You have to be able to locate what is the initiator. How did it begin? You got to take a trip with the Holy Spirit and show the Holy Spirit where it began. You can't break it. You can't destroy it. You cannot be free from it yourself. When you show him, then he works for you. It's the same principle of John chapter 11. Jesus says, our friend Lazarus is dead. He's dead. And we want to go and bring him back to life. When Jesus got there, Jesus asked, where did you lay him? Where did you lay him? You have to show him for him to bring it to life. What is the initiator? I had a stomach condition. Holy Spirit spoke to me. Go apologize. If you don't locate the initiator, Nothing will take place. Number two, very key. The second thing is deal with your stubbornness. Deal with your stubbornness. If you are going to break cycles, the second thing you must endeavor to do is to address the spirit of stubbornness. Now, it's really interesting because most people don't understand what stubbornness is. Stubbornness, this is how it's defined. A person that is stubborn is a person that sees a thing their own way. You see it your own way. You don't see it God's way. So here comes the Spirit of God trying to convince you of something that is contrary to his will when you are stubborn, you don't see it God's way. So you don't get deliverance. So you have to deal with that spirit of stubbornness, of willingly seeing things from the eyes of God and not from your own will. The Bible puts it this way. When you look at the scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 15, look at verse 23. 1 Samuel 15, 1 Samuel 15 verse 23. And you will see how the Spirit of God, like in the watch now, for rebellion is as serious as the sin of what? Divination, another translation, we say witchcraft, okay? Fortune telling. 
And then, and disobedient is also as serious as false religion and idolatry. Now, disobedient there, you will notice, is referred to in another translation as stubbornness. Put the King James Version so that people will understand this more. King James Version, you're doing a good job. Thank you. I'm wrapping up. Okay, King James Version. Of the same verse of Scripture, the King James. Huh? Okay, it's getting okay. If you, if you have King James here, just read King James. Okay. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Now, notice how it refers to stubbornness. Idolatry is something you worship. It's an idol. A stubborn person worships his idea. His, his idea. A stubborn person, they worship their own decision. That means when they make a decision, it doesn't matter if it is right or wrong. They worship it. That's what makes them stubborn. You can sit down with a stubborn person, show them scripture, explains everything to them. I mean, you could talk and talk and talk and talk. They worship their idea. What I say, that's what is right. I'm not changing it. You cannot break cycles if you are stubborn. Because the Spirit of God comes in and ministers to you and speak to you about your situation and your circumstance and you have to be willing to just open your heart to the Holy Spirit and allow the power of God to come in and to deal with the situation. People of God hear me. God knows your past. He knows your present and he knows your future. And the greatest friend that we have in being able to embrace the will of God is the presence of the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you, you don't get stubborn. You just agree with him. Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for showing me. And sometimes he may show you stuff that you don't like about yourself. You don't like it. You don't want anyone to tell you. You don't want anyone to correct you. And so you fight against it. And when you do, you become stubborn. And you, permit, you do not permit the Holy Spirit to come in and to walk on your behalf. There is never a stubborn person that gets deliverance. That's why stubbornness is as idolatry. It's a man who worships his ideas, worships his thought. Have you ever met a stubborn person? If you've met one, you could tell them A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You could say anything you want to say. They tell you no. Even though if the color is green, they believe it is blue. Because they worship their own idea. And when you do, you can never be free. The man that gets free is often the man whose heart is open. Do something new in my heart. Something new in my heart. Something new in my heart. Oh Lord, please do something new in my heart. 
Something new in my heart. Something new in my heart. Oh Lord. That's a succulent heart. That's a heart that is not afraid, not ashamed. Don't feel to be embarrassed. They expose their heart to God. I want you more than anything else. That's the huge difference between Saul and David. When you look at Saul, Saul looked more better than David. He looked like a king, well-dressed. You will pick Saul. The American church will pick Saul than pick David. David committed adultery. David committed murder. You won't even pick David to preach on your pulpit. You will pick Saul. And yet, God picked David. And the reason he picked David was because David wasn't a stubborn man. He was an individual. Every time God reveals to him, I'm sorry, Lord. It's me, Lord. Okay, Lord. I see it the way, Lord. Okay, we're going to change. Okay, we... He had that heart. And then the third, which is the final one tonight, is repentance. Repentance. Number one, you, re you, you, you locate the initiator. Number two, you deal with the spirit of stubbornness. And then the third, you repent. Repentance is different from forgiveness. Okay? The Bible says when we confess our sins, that is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from every form of unrighteousness. The word confess there is the word called homologio. Homologio is similar to what the Catholic priests do. You go into the, the, the Catholic church, you see the priest, you sit down there, and the priest says, now you confess. You start naming what you did for the week. That is homologio. That's what confessing means. You name what you did. Father, please forgive me. But repentance is different. Repentance is a state of mind. It's a shift. It is a total turnaround from a lifestyle, from a behavior, from something that is established in your life towards a new path. When I repent, the power of God comes on me and it breaks that cycle. And all of a sudden, I begin a new way of living. Lift up your hands tonight. I want to pray for you. Someone could stay on the keyboard. I want to believe tonight with you as you worship him that tonight begins the night of a new beginning. That the cycles, you know the cycles, the very cycles that have repeated itself over and over and over in your life, that tonight, by the Spirit of God, it will be broken, and as you make a commitment to work it out, you will see the reaction in your life. Father, tonight I pray for this church. I pray for this house, for this vision. I pray for everyone that is connected to this church, that is connected to this vision. There are those that are not here tonight. There are many that you are going to bring to covenant with this house. And then those that are here tonight, I pray for them. I come against every cycles, 
Every cycles of failures, every cycles of defeat, every cycles of diseases, every cycles of sicknesses, every cycles of poverty, emotional cycles, cycles of relationship, every areas that the enemy has inflicted or attack your people and have stolen from your people in the name of Jesus I rebuke you foul spirit I break your powers over this house over this vision over the people of God and I command you tonight to be loose and to be free in the name of Jesus. Everything that have held you back in the previous season, everything that have defeated you in the previous seasons, every cycle that have controlled your life, I command this power broken, 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 and destroyed in the name of Jesus. I prophesy new oil upon this house. I prophesy new victories upon this house. I prophesy new abundance upon this house. I prophesy new revival, tangible revival. Make everything that is dull to become fresh again. Make everything that is dead to come alive again. I speak to dead schedules, to dead situations, to dead relationships, to dead finances, dead businesses, everything that is dead by the authority that is vested on me. I command life. I prophesy life. I prophesy life. The services will be different. When you meet each time, your services will be different. I command you live into the services. New impartation into the services. New breakthroughs into the services. Revival. Father, an outbreak of healing and deliverance into the services in the name of Jesus. I speak to the spirit of barrenness. Barrenness. Everything that has been unfruitful. Everything that has been barren. Satan, listen to me. In the authority that is in the name of Jesus, I command all of your powers broken and destroyed. Now I command life, growth, fruitfulness to begin to take place. La broke le posita. Jedengi da kalande krutele propala. Pelebondu ganda keskita koroto paka. Baishe le kusi intro kolukata. Benga dangeskiti pro kotomba la lagede. Inkri le pro koropotu ba. I activate the angels of heaven to fight on your behalf, to defeat your enemies. To bring you into a new place that you've never experienced. I command right now, not tomorrow, right now for something new to begin to take place. And I command the oil of God all over you. All over you. New oil. New oil upon this house. New oil upon this house. Pastor. 
Pastor Ron, I want you to just bring your leaders. Just bring some leaders really quickly. I want the leaders to stand in front. I want to lay my hands on you. The elders. I want to lay my hands on you. There is a new day that has come over this work. And it begins with you, the elders. It begins with you, the elders. I'm not encouraging you tonight. I am declaring to you the word of the Lord. As I touch you tonight, something is going to come on you. You know, you can walk with God, and yet there can be things in you that are dead. You know, when Jesus told the disciples, first of all, he told the disciples, he said, our friend Lazarus is asleep. They could not understand it. There is a difference between being asleep and dead. Then he went on to say, Lazarus was dead. And the interesting thing, the tricky strategy of the enemy, things can be dead in your life, but simply because you are able to function, you really don't know that it's dead. Dead churches and ministries don't die overnight. There are symptoms that shows something is dying. And that's why the passion of the Lord has to constantly be alive in you. Because passion is fire. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9, it is the zeal of the Lord that accomplish it. There is nothing you can accomplish, people of God, without the zeal. You can preach a good message, and when people leave, when there is no zeal, nothing continues. Tonight, you are the second church that the Spirit of God has permitted me to declare this on. Tonight, as I lay my hands on you, I can guarantee you by the Spirit of God, every dead stuff will come alive. Because as the leadership goes, so goes the church. As the leadership goes, so goes the church. The church, the vision cannot go too far than what the leadership can take the church to. The oil flows from the head before it gets to the entire body. So I want you to lift up your hands. Something that you've never seen is going to happen to these men and women. Everything will begin to change. New gadget, new talent, new skills, new ability 
What you need to be able to function in this season is going to be released in you. So open your heart, expect it, and receive it. Father, in the name of Jesus tonight, I ask you that heaven will come on earth upon each of these individuals, these leaders. As I lay my hands, let it become your hands. And that which you intend to transfer. Let it be released now. In the name of Jesus, I release a freshness upon you. Everything that is dead, come alive. Come alive. Giftings and talent and skills and ability, a new place, a new oil. Come alive in the name of Jesus. I command it, come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive, come alive. The things that defeated you yesterday will not be able to defeat you. The talent, the skills, the ability, come alive. A new anointing, come. A new anointing, come upon you in the name of Jesus. New oil, a freshness comes upon you. Freshness, 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 activation of the skills, talents, and ability. The strength and the anointing, the strength and the anointing that you have never experienced come upon you. Come upon you. Come upon you. Refreshing to the abilities. Refreshing to the giftings. Refreshing to the talents. In the name of Jesus. Marite. 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 Father, in the name of Jesus, I activate a greater anointing upon the life of your son. Father, giftings and abilities, the things that got to him in the previous season will not be able to get to him. I command this leadership to enjoy ease, to enjoy ministry in the name of Jesus. Karate le kuse bandeke gotuke le mandeke gaishele Kumbe de kulate de marandeng kutekendi ba bejinde kita lambodo karatondo kusutele krinde lango dinkata in the name of Jesus I release a fresh anointing fresh anointing come upon you fresh fresh anointing come upon you barandeke zedinda dangalankete krite le mosuta. Father, everything that is dead, I command live. Live. Excitement again. Father, to giftings, to strength in the name of Jesus. Gintele, that spirit of the warrior. Jelebangadamedeka, ezinde kotambede, kritelembozu, a refreshing, a new warfare anointing rest upon you in the name of Jesus. Oh, Kaka tekeke lipa, bebe le kitala, gende kitala masi, zende le mosi, the seven strength come upon you. Genda liko tokbuda, beride de kulate de, sede, a new anointing, new anointing, new anointing, new anointing, freshness, freshness in the name of Jesus. Freshness in the name of Jesus. I command a fresh anointing to come upon you, a fresh excitement.
excitement. Excitement in the name of Jesus. Excitement. I defeat everything that I've defeated you in the past. I command you to arise. Arise in the spirit. In the name of Jesus. Kruteke. Mendekita. Zekindala. The disappointment of your heart. The pain of your heart. I command it to be resolved. A new day have come upon you. A new oil come. Restoration come. Freshness come upon you. Freshness. Bagateke. Zedimbada. Lebrike lemosuta. Father, I command a freshness, a freshness of a new oil in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father God, creativity, that new talent, new skill, new abilities, new gifting, just a freshness, just a level of creativity. Father, to take the areas of the ministry to the next level, next level, next level, I command it upon you in the name of Jesus. Mandeke, silekuta bandeleku sandala. Brinde, newness, freshness in the name of Jesus. Father, I prophesy it upon these leaders, these leaders. They will never be the same again. Never be the same. Gaishe yite boku mebeleke zinde bila boko kolombo site. I block the past. I block the past in the name of Jesus. Everything begins new with a freshness in the name of Jesus. Lift up your hands, you people of God, as I pray for you. Father, I command a new anointing upon this church, upon everyone in this house, even those that aren't here. I command something new to take place, something different to begin to happen. I decree this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand on. Stand on your feet. I just want you to join me to pray this prayer in song. I want you to tie your feet to it. Let it be your prayer. Let it be your prayer. Do something new in me. Do something new in my heart. Something new in my heart, something new in my heart. Oh Lord, do something new in my heart, something new in my heart, something new in my heart. Oh Lord. I cannot live without you. Cannot live without you. I cannot live without you. Oh Lord, I cannot live without you. Cannot live without you. I cannot live without you. Oh, just one more time. Do something new. So do something new in my heart. Come on, everybody. Something new in my heart. 
Something new in my heart. Oh, Lord, do something new in my heart. Something new in my heart. Something new in my heart. Oh, that's my prayer for this house for you. Yes. Yes. I feel the presence of the Lord here. I feel the presence. Oh, Lord. Please do something new in my heart. Something new in my heart. Something in my heart. Oh. Do, do something new. Whatever you desire, God is able to do for you. Something new. People of God, hear me. God will do anything for you. As long as you are willing, he will do anything for you. Malagateke. Zobrokalakile. Sande Lekuta. I speak to the soil of this church, the soil of this vision. I command something new to begin to happen. I declare this atmosphere to become a fertile ground. An atmosphere of change, an atmosphere of breakthrough. Atmospheres of deliverance, of healings, of miracles. Atmospheres of revelations and insight. Atmospheres of major impartation. Something new. Something different. Something different. Something new. Please do something new in my heart. Please, Lord. Something new in my heart. Something new in my heart. Oh, Lord. Do something new in my heart. It's your heart. In your heart. Something new. Look at me. There is nothing you could ever do for yourself. There is no change that you can ever bring to yourself. Never a change. It takes the mighty power of the Holy Spirit to bring an inward transformation. And if you make that commitment to the strength of the Holy Spirit, every time you come together, you will experience His presence. You will experience Him. There is nothing more better and greater than the presence of the Lord. 
nothing. There is nothing you've ever experienced that is much greater than the presence of the Lord. Because in his presence is the fullness of everything. You know, like I told you, I'm not a great singer, but when the Holy Spirit put a song in my spirit, it doesn't matter what you've accomplished. It doesn't matter where you've been. There is always a place for a new beginning where your, your, your heart yearn for something new. Your heart yearn for something different. I want something new. I want something different. I want to experience something different. And the God of the new is always available to make everything new. God bless you, church. We came with some books and materials in the book table. Love you so much. Maybe in your private, you may sing the song and just remember Apostle Tetzola taught you one. <laughs> oh, Holy Spirit, we love you. We just honor you. We thank you. You're the king of this place. and We just want to submit to you. We cry out for freshness in our own hearts, Lord. And we just affirm all that you're doing all that you have done, but Lord, we're excited about where you're taking us. It's a new decade, it's a new year, and Lord, we just open our spirits, our hearts to you. We just say, come and do something new in us tonight, Lord. Thank you for this word. We receive it, God. May you break us out of the cycles that we've been in. We all have them. God, show us. Thank you for the pattern we've been given tonight to bring the deliverance and the liberty in our hearts. And Lord, we just embrace this word from our overseer, our dear friend, our, our, our brother who comes and so faithfully delivers the word every time he's here. Lord, we ask you to bless Dr. Tetzola and Father, bless our time with him in Jesus' mighty name. A church, good to see everybody. We just got in here tonight too and uh, we miss you all. Good stuff happening in the nations of the world. Good stuff happening at home. But how many of you know there's always an appetite for more? Amen. So uh, greet one another. Don't forget to visit the apostles' table back there. He's got some great resources for us. Tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., all right? 9 a.m. We'll see you in the morning.